Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners. Welcome to Passion Harvest. My name is Louisa. I'm your host, International Passion Ambassador, and I have a very exciting guest today. And if you like this episode, please do subscribe. My guest today is Angie Fenimore. Angie attempted to end her suffering by committing suicide. Angie, at the age of 27, a wife and mother, was haunted by abuse in childhood and overwhelmed by despair and in a desperate state of mind. What ensued was an NDE, near-death experience, that took her to the brink of hell, where an encounter with God and Jesus saved her and gave her a new understanding of the purpose of life. Here is an extract from Angie's book, Beyond the Darkness. Hell is a manner of suffering, and I was in hell long before I took my life. Where I went was just a manifestation of what I was already experiencing. I wanted so badly just to end my life and to be done. And what I found was that I took all that with me, and it was multiplied, just intensified beyond anything we can ever have the power of understanding in this life. And so it was absolutely the worst thing I could do. There was no escape. This is her story and this is her passion. Angie, welcome to Passion Harvest. Hi, Louisa. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Oh, I got a bit sad reading that. That what a what a it is sad. <laughs> an experience. Sad. I can't imagine what that's like for you, even just listening to it. Yeah, it really is sad, but you know, um, it's interesting because people will, will, they'll compare near-death experiences and categorize mine as um, a bad experience. Mm. And it wasn't for me <laughs> at all. It was transformative. And I came back a different human being. And so I don't have that view of it. And the thing is, is when you, when you do pass on, when you do go to the other side, this experience that we call life, this becomes dreamlike. It's so, you know, any and all suffering that we experience in this realm is just like that, you know, a quick heartbeat in the grand scheme of things and it's all healed, you know? So I don't have, um, it is sad, but I don't have a view of it as it's sad because had I not had every experience that I've had in life, including that, including everything that led up to that, Mm. I would not have what I have now. I would not have access to making the difference that I make on the planet. So I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't go back and reorder events and and parents. It's almost like you're detached from that experience, which made you who you are today. Um, For those that haven't, heard your story if you wouldn't mind if you're if you if you're comfortable with it the events that led up to it or pivotal moments in your life yes for sure so um you know to understand how somebody gets to the point where they take their life yeah it's um you know just in a nutshell um i had this really idyllic childhood uh just me and my sister my younger sister and then my mother joined a cult when i was nine years old and my father went off the deep end with alcoholism and so we were neglected and abused and 
subjected to some horrific stuff. And um, like we'd visit our mother. And like, you know, one example is uh, there was a little boy, they were, they were starving. Um, and this was deep in the recesses of Bryce Canyon, no power, like a five mile hike in, everyone is in teepees. And it was Thanksgiving weekend and he was begging the other kids to feed him when they rang the cowbell for dinner. And everybody else knew better. And I was like, well, sure, meet me under the cook shack when it gets dark. And uh, one of the other children ratted me out so they didn't feed me for the, the rest of the duration. So wow. that sounds, you know, horrible, but, but like these things like stacked up. So it's not at the moment that you're dealing with this stuff. It's later in adult life that it all starts like we know some things about this now um when this stuff starts resurfacing so i was also sexually abused um just like unspeakable things and so when i was i was 26 actually it was a couple days before my 27th birthday and um and my marriage was just really unhappy and um abusive and you know i was just really i felt like I couldn't have made any other choices in my life up to that point. I just really felt like my life had been directed on this horrid path and that it was the only choice. And I really felt like my children were better off without me. I had two little boys at the time. They were five and two. And by the way, one of them is upstairs right now. He's 34, married. My three grandchildren are upstairs oh. as well. Um, so there was no, and, and, there was no then, hope. That, yeah. And the next one down lives around the corner, just bought a house around the corner from me with his wife. So, but at the, in that moment, I really felt like my children were better off without me. I was dealing with this cyclical depression that I didn't understand and, and, and I couldn't find any help for it. You know, psychologists, therapists didn't understand it and couldn't help me either. And so I went off to go get milk and I didn't come back for two days. And, uh, I, I didn't know why I did that. I just, I, and when I walked in the door, my children were on the ground, on their knees, praying with their father for my safe return. And just the look on their faces, I just felt like this is forever going to be the way it is. And I couldn't subject my children to this anymore. So it was that night that I decided that I was done. And um, so I took everything in the medicine cabinet. I slipped my wrists. I really went to town. I was very serious about it. And uh, I, the first thing that happened was um, really a surprise to me. It was not what I expected. So you've got to remember this is 1991. We didn't know a lot about near-death experience at the time. But I had a stepmother who had a near-death experience and it told me that she'd gone to the corner of the room and watched doctors working on her after a car accident. And so that's what I expected. And so I'm laying on the couch and I can feel this incredible vibration. I really thought that there was an airplane coming down in the yard. It was that strong and loud and powerful. And so then I took a glance out the window and realized that oh, this is happening inside of me. And so I opened my eyes because I wanted to watch from the corner of the room. And as soon as I opened my eyes, I was like, I could feel myself just suck right back into my body. So then I closed my eyes and what I saw was like this yellow kind of membrane with red lines running through it, like a road map, you know? And um, so then I could feel it happening again. I knew it was happening, opened my eyes to watch, 
back in my body. So I did that a couple of times and then I realized that I had to will it. That was part of the, like I had to participate in this, like with my will. And so I closed my eyes and when I did that, I was taken into this experience surrounded by this yellow membrane with these red lines running through it that I didn't realize until just a little bit later, this was my birth. It was my very first memory. And being held like this, squeezed and pushed out this tunnel. And then the next thing I see is a woman who looks an awful lot like me. I look a lot like my mother. Okay. And um, she's looking down at me and holding me like this. And I'm hearing voices in the room, but I can't understand what they're saying but I'm just completely present to this experience of euphoria. Like I want to be here. It was so beyond love. It was complete love. And like this, this moment of shock, my mother loved me and she wanted me because that's, that was not my experience. That wasn't my memory. You know, I'd had these traumatic experiences then at nine years old feeding this kid. It was like, it took her permission for them to punish me by not feeding me. So, you know, and then she was out of our lives for a long time. And I just really believed I was unwanted and that that was the root of it all. Right. And so to see that and have that experience was quite shocking. Frankly, it was like, whoa, this is not how I saw it. And so from that moment, I went through every single moment of my life, every single moment from beginning to lying on the couch. But I got this um, perception from every point of view, all points of view, how it was for everybody else to interact with me, what they were thinking and feeling, all of the stuff that they were stacking up and, and, you know, trying to live their lives on top of, and, you know, that, that would dictate people's actions that might be hurtful. It was like, oh, there's this whole web of experience. This is an interactive experience. And we're all just doing the best we can with what we got. Mm. And so that I, so I saw it from all these different perspectives. And um, so then I'm all the way to the moment where I'm laying on the couch and then it closes, it ends, and I'm surrounded by darkness. And, but it's not like darkness if we were to flip off the lights, it's darkness like out in space where you can still see forever. And even though uh, you don't have eyes, I, I mean, a, a lot of right. people do experience that. It's right. I think one guest called it all seeing and all knowing. Yes, exactly. And um, so then I felt a presence next to me, but I couldn't see who it was. I just recognized him. I knew that I knew this uh, being and I knew that he was male. And he said to me, I heard like I heard it in my mind. This is your life. This is the life you lived. That was it. There was no drama, no significance. That was just it, you know, just the facts. And um, so I realized I'm dead at that point. And um, I, I'm looking for for loved ones that had passed on, a grandmother, an uncle, a cousin. And I swing my head to, to the right, and there's a line of teenagers next to me. There's about six of them. And um, I leaned over to look at them, and I noticed what I noticed immediately was how dead they were. So it's beyond a physical death. It was like so much, so much darker than anything we experience in this world and so much sadder 
and I'm leaning over looking and I, um, there's a girl on the end, she's about 16 and she's these stringy, stringy blonde hair, this little slight thing. And I know that she's killed herself. And so I think to myself, we must be the suicides. And then when I have this thought, the kid standing next to me, tall boy, black eyeliner, dyed black hair. So you're seeing all the, the physical characteristics, not, thinking, not just the wow. energetic. Mm. Right. And I'm thinking, this is very interesting. I wouldn't think that you would bring that over through the veil. Yeah. You know, physicality, like that didn't occur to me. So I'm also fascinated by this. And so I, am, I have the thought, we must be the suicides. And when I have the thought, he looks at me and I can tell, like I can just ascertain, it's just in the knowing, in the space that he heard me. And it's like, oh, thoughts are audible. And um, in the minute, it, like the moment, and so, so much of this happens like this, some of it simultaneously mm -hmm. even. So the minute I have this thought, we must be the suicides, I am taken from them and they are left standing there. And I travel through this dark space, just, I don't know how far I knew I was on the planet. It, it felt to me like speed of light, like through this darkness. And um, to what I could see in the distance, there was this plane, kind of a beltway that stretched out to my left. And, as, and I'm traveling very quickly, so I see it as I'm being dropped down into this place. And it's filled with people, for as far as I can see, to the left. And the, the word I hear is thousands. And, um, and I ask, what is this? And I hear the word um, purgatory, which is interesting because I don't have a Catholic upbringing or background mm -hmm. at all. I know nothing. I know nothing about Catholicism yet. That was the word I heard. And, um, and then there are just people dropping in on the right. And so I drop into this place, but standing up. And as I look around, these people are not connected to each other. They're not communicating with each other, but they're talking to themselves or what occurs for me. It looks like talking to themselves, saying things like, if only you had blah, 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 then I wouldn't have had to so-and-so. It's like they're making a case for why they did what they did. And I knew they'd killed themselves. I, um, and they were all in these filthy white robes, which I thought was very interesting because that was unexpected. Were you in and a filthy white robe? I didn't look down to okay. be able to tell you. I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. Um, like I, I didn't, have, I had a sense of myself, but not really, mm. you know, I was kind of fascinated and proud of myself for having done this, frankly, to tell the truth about it. And, um, there was, they were, they weren't connected or paying attention or even aware of each other, except for one man. Oh, and there was this darkness, like this mist, um, that was like molecular, molecular darkness. And it was like sucking life is what it was doing. And there was a man squatting. Uh, he looks up at me and he's the only one that notices me. And that's when I realized I'm seeing in grayscale uh, because I knew his eyes were blue, yet I'm seeing gray. And I had this thought about him. I wonder mm -hmm. if this is Judas Iscariot. Um, I knew he'd killed himself and I knew he'd been there a long time. And that was it. And it's not like he was Judas Iscariot. It's like that thought came to me, which was audible which triggered the next part of the experience, which was a pinpoint of light in the distance. 
And we were like, it, there was, it was invisible barriers, but we were bound in this space. Like I could not leave and I knew I couldn't leave. And keep in mind, this is all happening like this. So there, I see this pinprint of light, just like a star in the distance and it travels to me at tremendous speed. And as it approaches, I realize this is a being and he's made of light like made of light and his hair is flowing and his robes are flowing and he's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And he stops some distance, let's say maybe 30 feet. And um, then he says to me, is this what you really want? And it kind of dumbfounds me because I believed I had no choice. I didn't feel like I chose this or certainly not that I didn't, you know, I didn't believe I wanted it. It was like, this was the only option. And, um, the purgatory. Yeah, like to end my life, basically. Yeah. Is this what you want? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, like as if I have another choice. And he just like rattles off all of this information. Like you can't just skip over parts. We've all done this. It's supposed to be hard. Um, you know, don't you know this is the worst thing that you could have done? And I'm just kind of dumbstruck. And then I hear another voice. And it's the same voice that was with me at the very beginning when I went through my life review. And um, he says, don't you understand? I did this for you. And when he says those words, I see these pinpricks of light coming through next to who I knew to be my father, God, my father. And then all of a sudden I'm seeing these pinpricks of light. Like there's a being behind some kind of a, a, you know, a veneer that I can't see through. And then suddenly I am in three places at the same time. I am in this void, watching this way out. And I am behind these two beings of light. And I can see this exchange between them. And the one who says, don't you understand? I did this for you. Like I knew that to be Christ. And I watched this download of my life from Christ to God the Father, this exchange of knowledge and energy. And, um, and at the very same time, I am also in Christ's body, in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he is suffering for me, like experiencing my life from my point of view, beginning to end. So up to that point, I believed nobody got it, nobody understood, nobody could understand. No one cared. And nobody cared. How could you care if you don't know and don't understand? It's like, you know, and in that moment, I really got, he did. Like he knew it from my point of view. He experienced everything I experienced from my point of view. I can't imagine that. I mean, I, I'm feeling overwhelmed myself hearing the story, but Christ experiencing and that unconditional, mm -hmm. powerful love. I can't imagine the feelings of that. And then it, it's this realization that he did it for all of us all of us. And uh, so then I'm just, so I'm starting to realize, but it's happening so fast, like, okay, somebody does get this and um, does understand how I could come to this point too. And leave to behind two beautiful little boys, you know, to have to fend in this world without me. And then, um, it, it, but I still just felt like I can't do life. I just can't do it. I don't know how I can recover from this. I don't know how I can make it through. And then um, 
I'm shown what would happen to these two boys of mine who are now 34 and 31. <laughs> and I have three more um, that I've had, you know, since then my youngest is wow, turning okay. 17 now. And um, I was shown their lives. And my oldest, who's an RN, by the way, and a remarkable human being and uh, just, you know, lives his life to serve others with these beautiful children. I saw him get to this place where it was like this emotional roller coaster of his life is what I saw. Mm -hmm. He got to be about 20 or 21 years old and he was rendered completely incapable of doing anything he was meant to do here. It just filled with darkness, just like the kids in that line next to me. And then my second one, who's also delightful, um, he was like taken at about seven years old because he could not, he was too sensitive. He could not do this life without me. So the minute I see this, what would happen to my children? I just, if I you made that decision, yeah. Yeah, then I, it was like not even a decision. It was, just, it was just an okay that wasn't even uttered. It was just a smidge of an okay. And then I was above this, this plane looking down and watching all these people you know, falling down in this plane. And I said, what is this? And it's like, most people, this is, most people are, are taking their lives or, or not living to their capacity and have, like going to a place of darkness, but by the way, is self-imposed. And uh, it's- So they it's all not, would have a choice like you did with meeting uh, Christ? It, it, yeah, yeah, we, we do. I think it's so self-directed. It's, you know, partly directed by what you, you believe in. It's partly directed by, it just, what it is, is it's this big balance. Um, it's just law. We have to understand how our actions impact others. We have to come to an understanding of that. And the only way to do that is basically what Christ did for us and experience it from their point of view. And that's what this was. It was just like a way station so I could get this. And it just makes you realize that complete yeah. interconnectedness of life and cycles because we are not alone, even though sometimes it feels we're so terribly alone. It's mind boggling. It's mind boggling how connect, there are no accidents. There is no such thing as an accident, but it's so it's like, imagine all the billions of people on the planet and it's all, we're all connected. And you know what we do one smile can actually impact people generations from now because it just gets passed and passed and will impact this moment for this person and how they behave and what choice they make that impacts others, that impacts others, all of it, everything we do. That really coins the term Christ consciousness, doesn't it? Completely. Yes. You just said it. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. So I um, was packed this suitcase of information that I needed to come back and do my life. And some of it was withheld with, from me when I entered my body. And um, but some of it stayed with me. And um, as far as just like this information that I was given, these, this understanding about life, but one of the gifts that I came back with is still this ability to see darkness and light. It's a creative energy. You know, we all have a physical form. Everything, my little teacup here has a physical form. and. Uh, but everything also has a spiritual creation and an energetic creation with light or darkness. And sometimes we think there's gray, but really it's not. It's just this light and darkness, you know, hovering so close to each other, but all acts, everything, everything. 
Oh my as, gosh, I've got lots of questions yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> but so <laughs> it's normal that people, not normal, there's no normal, what's normal, I mean, this conversation isn't normal, but it, it's quite a, a common occurrence that people come back with gifts and you talk about light and darkness. So I just love to, if you don't mind explaining that a bit more, what that means. Okay. So it's, it's a, uh, wow. Okay. So it's so hard to explain because there okay. are no words yeah. that go with it. Um, but you, but you can see it. You can actually see it. So when I came back, trees i could see trees were made of light and they're so powerful they're like sentinels on this planet mm -hmm. that when i'm in a really meditative space i can actually see physical the physical light that they emanate but it's all creative energy so it's not like darkness bad light good it's creative energy and in order for light to exist darkness must also exist so here's an example of it in play um i had my kids at a park of oh, 10 a decade ago probably more than that maybe 15 years and they were playing with this little um dog that this old man was was there at the park with long braid down his back he's probably 80 and he and i started chatting and i don't even know how this happens but it does often and that is within a minute we're having this deep conversation about the state of the world and he says, you know, I've lived through this and that. I served in World War II. I just see the world is just getting worse and I, I don't see it getting any better. It's just awful. And I say, yes, that's a view. Or we could take the case. We could like stand inside of what an opportunity to make a difference. So all actions, every thought, every word, everything has these three creations right and the spiritual the energetic and the um the physical so a thought becomes a, a physical creation when mm -hmm. it's spoken that's how a thought becomes in you know physical form and light attracts light darkness attracts darkness and so it's really you know like for example my grandson just had surgery that's why they're all here my grandson had um an airway reconstruction and that's a long story that we won't go into he's 11 now and all is well uh, but the kid has had over 50 surgeries so we're posting on facebook okay here's the update and all these people are saying praying for ethan praying for ethan that is so powerful because it is such an expression of light and the kid overcame a collapsed lung um blood pressure dangerously falling fever all while in an induced coma and i know it's because of this energy that got created like our little facebook pages out there in the world pray for ethan you know and so all these people participate in this and so it creates this energy on the planet so our planet right now is got the flu big time okay it's vomiting this is how come we're having all everything that we have right now our planet won't tolerate this much longer it's so sick from you know years and years and years hundreds of years of what we've been doing here you know so that's a good example of of darkness at play that's but a it, great example yeah but it's but it's all about reestablishing the spiritual health you know which a you're a living example of really because i guess yeah. you were 
if you look at it as a balance, you were in quite darkness before the suicide. So it's like, what am I going to do? Who am I going to serve? You know, who am I going to be? It's like, yeah, the world's an unfair place. It's, it's, there's a lot going on in this planet that is just unthinkable and dark. And so the question is, well, who am I going to be in the face of that? You know, I I think it's, I agree. And I, I'm, I believe I'm of the premise that we do create our reality, reality. So your thoughts, your words and your actions completely turned your life around. Oh, to the light. How, I mean, there's many turns for it, but towards the light, there's always darkness. We we are human. Yes, of course. And you can't have light without the darkness. You must have both, you know, we have to have, we have to have it in order to be expressions of light. Mm. There has to be something to play against. I've just got this visual of all these people on this kind of conveyor belt going to purgatory or towards darkness and not choosing yeah. to live uh, all these okay. incredible experiences. As they yeah, could. fast forward. I, here's what I think was going on there. And this is just me conjecture. Um, I do believe that they were also having conversations with Christ as uh-huh. I was. I think that they were working it out. I think that's what was going on there. Why else would they be talking? Like, absolutely. what were the words I said? I said, but I have no choice. So this woman next to me is saying, but only if you had. We're all having the same conversations. And I do believe with God. Yes, I guess in our humanist, we think we can only have one conversation. But when it comes uh-huh. to that, there is Christ, no time. Yeah, time's not real. Time, time and is, space. Yeah, time is, is the rotation of the planets. It's different if you go to a different planet and all things have this spiritual creation, this energetic creation and a physical creation. So what puts it on a linear timeline is the physical creation. So if you remove this, so I'm in a spiritual realm with an energetic creation, light and darkness and a spiritual creation, no time. So you can see and perceive, you can jump forward, jump back. This is how I could experience my whole life in a heartbeat from beginning to end as if it's happening to me again, only I can't change any events. This is how God can see what we choose in the future. This is how we can be warned of what's coming when it hasn't happened yet because the physical creation is what creates a linear timeline. Make sense? Very interesting. Therefore, and- yeah. So therefore, all things can be happening at once. Simultaneously. Yes, and they are. Do you think, and I think we've kind of touched on this, um, our thoughts create our reality? Absolutely. More than we could possibly know. Absolutely. Yeah, which doesn't mean that we should make it wrong that we have negative thoughts. Here's a trick I use. Here's a tool I use. Oh, I love um, a good trick. <laughs> yeah, is I allow it to pass through me is what I do instead of hanging on to it. So like I still have this thing that happens where I get this cyclical depression. It happens every June and January. But I have power around it because I recognize, oh, that's just brain stuff. That's just, you know, that's Darkness. just firing. It's not, yeah. And so I'm related to this, like, oh, that was an interesting thought. So about those times of year, often I will see myself load a gun, put it to my head and pull the trigger a hundred times in a day. But I'm not emotionally connected to it because it was a thought. It's like, 
Oh, interesting thought. Don't forget to get milk on your way home. Okay, thank you. And then I allow it to pass through me rather than resisting it. Because when you resist, what happens is that's when it like continues resisting. And I'm not saying don't also, you know, get really good, you know, support, psychological support, see a great trauma therapist if you need to. I'm not advocating for, you know, metaphysical instead mm -hmm. of, or in prayer instead of, I'm saying all the tools. Let's use all the tools. So if I allow it to just pass through me, then I'm not stuck with it because I'm related to thoughts like they're just in the ether and it's not my thought. It's just a thought that passed through my brain. How many people do you think are having that same thought the same time I am? That thought is an entity. That thought is a creation with spiritual and- um, with Spiritual darkness. Yes, exactly. I don't have to hang on to that. And I don't. It, I completely agree. I, it is really hard though, because in, in this humanist form that we live in, we often, are ruled by our ego or our mind. I mean, or darkness, you can call it many terms yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and it likes to control us and likes to be all consuming, which yeah. takes us away from the actual beauty of life. Yeah. yeah. So if you don't fear it, and if you really operate a practice of forgiveness for yourself and others, and, and really no kidding, we don't fear darkness then it can just pass through us and we can move it on. Moving right along. I'm going to be doing something else now. Thank it. you very much. Yeah. It's, it's really effective. And again, like not in place of. Hard. It's hard, but the, you get better at it, right? Yeah. The more you oh, practice. Yeah. yeah. Um, my other question is, and I, the way you're lovingly detached, so you're looking at your life, a lot of conflict and contrast, but you're almost looking at it at like a movie or experiences that have made you the person who you are. I often get asked this question, why would we come, why would we come to this life if there's so much pain and suffering? I know, right? Yeah. Good question. And uh, I don't have the answer for that. I don't know. And I have at times thought, why in the world would I choose in? And, you know, the thing is, for a human being, the thing that um, I think is at the core of all human beings, and that is a desire to make a difference. I believe that that's fundamental to all of us. And then some of us get lost on that path, for sure. But I believe that at the core of every human being, we wanna make a difference. And so whatever it is we are all doing here together, that's ultimately what would have us choose is to make a difference. So. I, I've no idea if it's about, you know, that we're all connected before we're born here and that if I wasn't born, then my children wouldn't get to be born. I have no idea how all that works. Um, but what I do know is that we're here. And so it's not even like, let's make the best of it. It's like, like, let's fully live. Let's fully engage and fully forgive because that's your access to freedom 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 you know and peace to have an experience of an amazing quality life that's the that's the access point find ways to serve what an insp i'm feeling so inspired talk what an inspiration you are oh, and thank you 
so many people, and just going off the back of that, so many people look at the past as defining them and go into a victim mentality, but then they can never move forward or they can never be free in this life if you keep looking back at not discrediting the terrible things that happen to people, but it stops you from moving forward. Right, right. And which is the great, you know, human experiment. (laughs) Or, you know, that is, it's like forgiveness for that too. Do you know, forgiveness for our weaknesses, forgiveness for humanity, forgiveness for all of it. Because when you can forgive is when you can transcend past, you know. So I've got to ask you, so you decide to come back to this life. Obviously, the main reason is your boys and then you awake um, I don't know the right term you wake up on the couch I did yeah I opened my eyes yeah and I uh sat up obviously physically didn't feel too good I was a mess for about three days I could hardly walk um but I was still hearing the voice of God it was like that veil was completely almost disappeared like I look at my couch and I can see the molecules vibrating we are couch serving you serving God I look at the plants, they're made of light. I can see all this information that has come through my television set that will come through the TV. That's like, I can see the particles of light that it's made of past, present, future. Mm. I can see it all on this molecular level. And um, so my husband walked through the door, my former husband, we're still good friends, we're divorced. And uh, he worked for NORAD at the time and was an air weapons control officer with the air force it's locked down you don't come home for lunch during the day and he comes walking in and uh i say you're never gonna believe this he says i think i might so i yeah and he was white as a ghost and told him about the the experience he said let's take you to the hospital and i hear god say no don't go to the hospital i brought you back to life what more do you want and uh it's like no they'll send you off to hickam to the psych ward oh, and that right. you need okay. to be with your family right now and experience all these incredible yeah yeah love and yeah and uh so i did get help afterwards um because i still had all this trauma to work through from childhood and um we had a uh he was an air force chaplain so it, with a psychology degree and he was extraordinary he was the one that t- introduced me to other near-death experiences george ritchie's book because i told him i said i don't know like all i can do is tell you what happened i know this sounds crazy and uh he had actually studied a little bit so he could point me in some direction so i could also have some support because that's a thing when you have a near-death experience you know it's it's like that's also something to process and deal with but yeah i was just not the same human being yeah, so, so many people focus on the actual experience itself, but they don't necessarily research right. how people are fundamentally changed. I had an interview with PMH at Water, who's an amazing woman who specializes in um, after effects of near-death states. And she just said, basically, people become a more expanded versions of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been 30 years, you know, since I had this experience. So, so I have this also this entire like I've been alive longer now than I had been before I you know took my life and like it just set me up to learn as well so there's so much more in life that I've gotten beyond the near death experience you know 
generally as well. as well, I mean, people don't stay in a marriage if, if they have been married before. I think they realise how important life is and not to stay in these co- constructs or the veil, as you call it. Mm-hmm. So what are the fundamental changes since your NDE? I know there's been a lot of life since, but what are the big changes? So um, besides family, and I'm with the, the man of my dreams, my sweetheart, I actually had a oh. vision of him. And uh, yeah, I saw him on an airplane long before I met him. And, uh, During so your NDE there. or you just... You no, know, a- after. Yeah, yeah. This, was, this would have been about, oh, I would have seen him in about 2001, I think, is when I had that vision. And what are we in now, 2020? We've yeah. been together six years. So wow. many years before, yeah, I saw this moment come. And knew it was sort of some sort of and romantic. I, I knew everything about it. Yeah, it was just like, here's who you're looking for. <laughs> and he's so, remarkable. So when you saw him, you knew? So we, I, when I, I didn't know when I saw him. I knew when I had this experience again, when it actually happened, when I was on this airplane with him. And I saw it play out exactly like the vision. Well, that's and I was kind like, of, okay, fine, I'll marry you now. Wow, that's, that, well, that's future memory, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and have you had more of those future memories? I, I have. And uh, I'm not sure I could pinpoint anything right now. But yeah. yeah, like a lot of that. And just, you know, living more fluidly. So what I'm called to is I'm also a writer. And I know a lot of near-death experiencers write books. Well, I'm a writer that had a near-death experience. <laughs> and uh, so part of that gift for me is that, you know, how I can see light and darkness on this molecular level. I can also see what works in storytelling in order to create for a reader, this emotional experience in order to move their hearts and hands. So I'm a writing coach is what I do. And so like one of our, one of our gals, she's number one best-selling author. She was raped at 19 years old and really believed that she was damaged. And she wrote this book. It's amazing. It's called Broken Lenses. And it walks you through how to, how to heal and how God sees you. But she's like got this scientific mind. And I mean, it's an extraordinary book. And her second one just got picked up by the publisher. And it's like, but it's like, Think about, think about books that, like, that are fiction. You know, To Kill a Mockingbird, Change the Conversation for Social Injustice. Uh, fiction also leads us to changing the world. The thing is, is that when you change a heart, when you change a mind, that's what impacts change on our planet. And one book can reach millions. I had a woman that I get email every single day. The book came out in 1994, 1995, and 1996. Yeah. And I get email every day from people who either didn't take their lives because they read it, they're dealing with it and want some support, or they've lost somebody to suicide. And I just want everybody to know who's listening. Really no kidding. I do not believe that this is where you go if you kill yourself. This is where I went. And it wasn't even, you know, it was what I needed and to, in order to live this magnificent life that I now get to live because I had that experience, just to be clear. But 
I get an email from somebody just the other day who lost her 10 year old daughter to suicide. It's like, what do you do with that? So a book has the power to not only reach millions, but it forever, it just keeps going. It's like, it's like that energy is still perpetuating as if she got it, you know, like the words right now coming out of my mouth now and got, was blessed by this and able to make, you know, get her through this terrible tragedy, give her some support, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the power of a book. Books can reach millions. And um, this is how the world shifts and changes. It's by virtue of people speaking their stories. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. And obviously for anyone that's listening to this show, all your details will be in the show notes. But it's almost as if you, it could be timestamped. So there's no time. It's irrelevant at the time. When you wrote it, whether it was 10 years ago or two years ago. Precisely. Exactly. It's like, look at, you know, ancient religious texts. Yeah. It's like right now you feel the spirit touch you right now when you read something that was written 2000 years ago. That's amazing. Well, I have to say to you, thank you for all the light work that you're doing. Well, thank you. <laughs> and really for what you're doing. Thank you, Louisa. Thank Pleasure. You. I do, I, I've got a couple more questions I want to ask you. I get a lot of people who are very scared of dying. What's your, uh, I'm sure like you do as well. Door. Yeah. I, I think that there's not much we can do about that because that's survival instinct. That is how we continue on this planet is to be afraid of death. However, if you're faced with it, those start, you know, that starts to go away somewhat as you, you know, get closer to, you realize it's walking through a door. It's just walking through a door. That's all it is. And into a different realm that is more real than this, you know, and your love and your attachments to people, they don't go away. It's not like, oh, this is over. It's more like this expanded experience of love and, you know, and I mean, I can't, there are no words for the love. There's just no, we don't have, we don't actually have that experience of that kind of love. Like maybe we get touched by it, you know, in moments, but that's what's waiting mm-hmm. on the other side is this extraordinary peace and love and connection. And, you know, it's, it's the way it's, it's part of, it's all part of life. It is life. Dying is life. It's yeah. just an, an, an expanded version of it. Beautiful. So in the interest of time, is there something else you'd like to talk to the Passion Harvest audience about or express? So um, a little piece of advice is stop making yourself wrong. Stop beating yourself up. Stop making that you haven't quite got this figured out a problem. It's just the condition of life and it's really okay. And let me tell you, it's by small things that great things come to pass. It's the little things that we do. And if you're hurting, hurting, find a way to also make a difference, to serve. It's the balm of Gilead. It reverses the flow of energy. When you give, you make room to receive. So in a nutshell. I love that. I love that. I have to ask, since this is also a show about passion and following what uh, makes you feel good or following your emotional guidance system, if someone, which you just touched on anyway, if someone's looking to follow or find their passion, 
what's your advice? Um, I'm not going to say be fearless, but uh, it's, it's be afraid to be very afraid and do it anyway. You know, really just jump. Take, <laughs> take, yeah, do take the jump. Act before your brain can tell you not to. Hmm. Take a leap. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Yeah. You could fly. You could. <laughs> and so you stumble. <laughs> what an inspiration you've been. I just love talking to you. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, you're so hardest. delightful. Thank you for having you, me. You really, really, you're so inspiring. So congratulations and thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.